off at the beginning. But <coughs> fucking hell, right? Um, how's it going, Colin? I'm not fuck. I'm not. I'm leaving that in. How's it going, man? <laughs> I'm good, mate. Yeah, how are you? You all right? Apart from your coughing fit at this and the record button. <coughs> Apart from the coughing, mate. Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Thanks. Um, I'm not bad. The the history of money we're doing today. But I'm just diving straight in, and I know you love your history, and I'll be honest with you, this isn't to really speak about the history of money. This is just to get to all the stupid stuff that tired me. me. <laughs> a wee bit, but was that audible that you on there? Fuck, fucking hell! People are paying for this shit, right? Okay. Well, yeah, people are paying for it with money, um, and but people buy lots of fucking stupid shit with money, and that's basically why. I decided to do this show today because there wasn't quite enough content to just get a full show out of um, what the listeners have spent their money on and what other people have spent their money on that staff. So I decided to do a little bit of the history of money, basically. And I'll start with this, Colin, right, right at the start. So I'd have argued on my life that this article is wrong, right? Okay. So the terms, the terms money and currency... Like they can get used interchangeably, right? But there's theories out there that suggest they're not the same. So money is intangible and currency is the physical money, right? I'd have argued on my life it was the other way about. I'd have said that I could hold money in my hand and it is part of the overall currency. Mm-hmm. But, but, now, but now I think about it as like the currency is the notes and stuff like that. The, the, is that yeah, you can also hold currency in your hand, can't you? So yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I think that's what I'm trying to say is that money is the intangible. Like money's like the numbers, like the, the sort of numbers basically, and the, the currency is the, the physical shit that you can get. I'd have argued in my life it was our way around, but I'd have been wrong. I think. Yeah, well, it was the first time for everything with that on this show. It's usually me that's wrong with that shit. Um, the bad thing about the money being numbers and stuff is that 99% of the money in the world doesn't exist. It's just numbers on a screen. <clears throat> well, that, hey, that's it. So, but all currency exists. Is it, that's what this is saying. Because currency, currency is the physical thing, whereas money is the numbers. Yeah, I I get that. That does make sense to me now. When you when you think about it that way, yeah, the currency being the physical stuff and money is just overarching numbers on a screen. Money in your bank account is like because I remember when I first started working for a bank. I worked for a digital exactly bank. You worked for a bank, so that, that should. Yeah, be. Well, I worked for a bank. I now work for another bank. Um, but I remember when I first started working for the first, but I worked for First Direct initially first one of the first digital banks and stuff like that and we only had one office i was working in it and it always amazed me there was no safe there was no there was no safe anywhere there was no deposits we didn't have any money whatsoever didn't exist all of our money was literally just on a computer screen we didn't have any currency <laughs> we say yeah sorry we had no currency but currency yeah that, that's what's going to happen is we're just going to use those words interchangeably i suppose um but when we speak about money here, we're probably going to be speaking about the physical stuff, I'd imagine. Yeah. So how long's money been a thing then for? Yeah, before we get there, like, you're talking about the one branch thing. I'm a Monzo user now, so that, that's my, like, full-blown bank account. And they actually, like, I don't know why places still ask you for your branch, like, when you're filling, you're filling out forms or you're applying for stuff and it asks for your, your fucking bank branch. Because um, you just put the London address down for Monjo now that's everybody's... Because at first I couldn't find it. 
it's in the app, um, but you have to yeah, go out your way. Yeah, it's somewhere. I don't have a branch. It's like an online thing. And I couldn't really, like, people at the start didn't really, when I was applying for stuff, I like, no, you, you, need put a, you need to put an address in. It doesn't have an address. It does, but <laughs> I just, just going to find it, you know, and it's not like your local branch. It's just yeah, it's just old companies have never updated their application process for certain things, and they they still ask for things that are not needed. It's it's bizarre, but it doesn't really mean anything. You've, you've put that London address in a place you've never been, which is probably just an office block somewhere. Do you know what I mean? It's not like it's not like the money's all there or anything. But it's just all nonsense. Yeah, um, it's been about in some form or another for about five thousand years. And, um, obviously, people have been about for longer than that, Colin. So. Um, before that, what, what was what was happening before money? If you wanted, so if you wanted something, you would you would trade or barter basically. Um, just on that, I'm surprised it's as long as five thousand. I didn't think money had been a thing for five thousand years. I thought it was less than that. Um, but bartering basically is the direct trade of goods and services. So a farmer might exchange some wheat uh, with a shoemaker for a pair of shoes. Um, it, however, it sort of makes sense, yeah. And on the money thing, I, I'd have been the same. I'd, I'd have thought probably the Romans would have been my guess for money, um, which would have been what two and a half, two and a half thousand years ago or something like that. But according to that, it's double that length, yeah. Um, the thing about the bartering though is that it took time, you it was a fresh trend, everything was a new transaction, wasn't it? Everything was a new. I'll give you this, you give me that, we'll make it work sort of thing. It wasn't like something costs 5p, you pay 5p, it's a very simple, very quick transaction. So bartering wasn't all that convenient because of the length of time it took and the the debating and the conversations that took place along with it. Because if you're a... If you are an axe maker, for example, like that's a real fucking skill that takes ages and you may... Somebody might want an axe to chop things down what can they give you if, say, they're only good at, like, owning a couple of chickens? You know, are you going to put in hundreds of hours of work for a couple of chickens? But I, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't learn that. Go get me something else. But then well, they you can, can <laughs> yeah, you can only you could you could only barter with somebody when you both want something from each other. And if you like your example, if if you're a man with an axe. And the person that now wants your axe is a man that's only got chickens. If you don't want those chickens, that deal just falls apart. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that's why some of these things would take forever because the man with the chickens would have to go away, swap his chickens for some metal and then bring back the metal and say, right, I've now got metal. Do you want some metal to make new axes? And it was all these two, three, four-way barters, basically, which, considering nowadays, I just tap my Apple Watch on something. It's a bit of a fucking pain in the arse when you think about it. And that's why currency obviously developed, you know, like, and it kind of started with, like, things were dead easy to trade, like, animal skins, everybody wanted them back in the day for clothes, salt, everybody really wanted salt to make things taste all right, and obviously sort of weapons, like we're talking about axes and shit like that, because you had to chop um, the other tribe up, you know, that were fucking about with you, so those sort of became a sort of medium of exchange, basically. A lot of the time they were still negotiable, like, you know, it's not like a... You've got a full animal pelt, you're going to go like, just use a tub of salt. You want hundreds of salt, you know, you want as much salt as you can get for it. But I, like you say, you both need to want what the other person's got. Um, 
So one of the greatest achievements um, of the introduction was money was the increased speed, like you were talking about there. It didn't take so long to get an axe because you just fucking bought it, basically. Um, this um, goes back China, right? We're going to go to China. Maybe you used to always speak about China. Was that on here or was that on the other show? That was on, that was on the other show, but it's... Yeah, we, we, China, we've kind of given up on China. We need to maybe rediscover that, but that world... Yeah, yeah, so we'll start here and back last year, in 2021, there was archaeologists and they discovered the world's oldest known securely dated coin uh, minting site, basically. Um, the facility was found in the Guangzhou in Henan province in China and it began uh, by striking what they called spade coins at the time, which was one of the, sort of the first standardised forms of metal coinage. And that was 640 BCE, so 2,600, 700 years ago, basically. Nearly 3,000 years ago, they had a, a coin minting place, basically. And that, I've just kind of clicked, is why we why we refer to people as being minted, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's it, if you're minted, yeah. Did you just figure that out? Yeah, yeah that, that was just a, that was a 37, and 30, almost 38, 38 this month. Um spark of intuition i just got there that being minted comes from minting money not just being able to buy all the polo mints you want so yeah that's quite good exactly, exactly. like in the west as well because obviously that's a way in the east in the sixth century um there is i'm not going to say the poet's name will i try go for it no yeah go for xenophanes. it xenophanes right we'll go for xenophanes <laughs> xenophanes yeah uh, the historian herodotus and he sort of uh, ascribed the invention of metal coinage to the Lydians, and again, in about 600 BCE, so nearly 3,000 years ago, um, they had the first official sort of currency, which was called the Lydian Stator. There you are. Um, the coins, yeah, the, the Stator. So tell us, this kind of blew my mind what the, the coins are made of, because you would have thought it would be like, I don't know, iron or shit, something that was lying about, but it seems to be it was more silver and gold and shit like that. Yeah, so they were made from electrum, uh, which is a mixture of silver and gold that occurs naturally. And uh, they would then stamp the coins with pictures that acted as denominations. So um, in the streets of the of Sardis at the time, around about that time, 600 BCE, um, a clay jar might cost you two owls and a snake because that's the kind of pictures and stuff they would put on the coins at the time. Um, the currency helped the country basically increase its its internal and its external trading systems, and it became one of the richest empires in Asia. Um, today, there's a there's a phrase as rich as Croesus, and that refers to the basically the last the last Lydian king because he minted the first gold coin. Yeah, so again, maybe about six hundred years after that, the Yin Dynasty of China decided to move from basically to paper money, uh, fuck the coins. Um, by the time Marco Polo, who was like a mad explorer guy, um, did you know he was a real person? I did because I listened to another podcast and on that podcast they always talk about him and they have a little thing where they they don't say Marco Polo, they say Marco Polo. <laughs> so that's like, so that gave me all my knowledge on him. So yes, I did. Uh, but it seems to be that this the, the sort of Chinese guy at the top of the tree, the emperor, had a sort of so it's like a bit of an economist, basically. He had to sort of handle uh, like money supply and sort of like denominations and that how you could sort of make that 
uh, work and, and stuff like that. Um, so in on American bills, as you know, and God we trust is um, on every single bill. Is that right? Yeah, up the top, along the middle. Yeah, and in China at the time, it was a little bit more threatening. Um, on each paper bill, basically, it said those who counterfeit this will be beheaded. So, wow. yeah, you should get your head chopped off. Because you would have thought back then it would have been, pr- if you could get a hold of a bit of paper, it would probably be pretty piss easy. To, if you had the skills, the forefeeting skills back then, it wouldn't be that hard to sort of do one, basically, because you'd... Again, they wouldn't have had a printing press, right? So they wouldn't have been able to make them all the same. They would have been sort of similar, I'd imagine. Yeah, so but they wouldn't be ideal. Similar enough, you'd, you'd be, you'd be, um, you'd be all right. Aye. Um, I saw, I saw, I saw a tweet during the week, Jack. I, I saw a tweet during the week about a bunch of fake twenty pound notes that are kicking about, um, and this guy get tricked by one, and it's these fake twenty pound notes that are one side of them is absolutely perfect. You'd struggle to notice. But the other side has got a picture of Rey Mysterio from the WWE on them. <laughs> <laughs> and they're Rey Mysterio 20s and Rey Mysterio 10s. And this guy got one and he's changed somehow and didn't realise. I'll try and find the tweaks. It's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I'd imagine even that is a very bad forgery. But back then it would have been dead easy probably to mess these about. Hence why they would put a warning on them. And hopefully the warning of getting your head chopped off would kind of balance out how easy it was to do it. That's it, like, uh, I remember years ago, I, I knew a, t- a fake character that was selling £20 notes for a tenner. <laughs> so, take of that. How many did you buy? Uh, I don't, I actually don't think I bought any, mate. Um, I just didn't, I just wasn't, didn't tickle my fancy, because I th- I think I heard rumours that they were fucking shit. Like, they were really bad fakes. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, I don't want to waste my money on that, and put in a tin one night, and Try to buy a fucking pint and get embarrassed. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was loads of fakes going around last year. Folk were selling them last year for a similar sort of thing, like 20 for 10 and stuff like that. And they actually they looked brilliant. The only thing that set them apart was on a note where it says pounds, it said poons. It was P-O-O-N-D-S. <laughs> no, yeah. Actually, the banks, like, they were still using sort of these sort of... Uh, Metal coins, um, still use metal coins nowadays, I suppose. But um, as the main currency in Europe up to the 16th century, banks eventually started using the paper bank notes um, for deposit and borrowers. Basically, you've got this note, you can go into any bank basically and swap it for metal, basically, uh, well, silver or gold. Uh, the paper money could not could also be used to sort of buy goods and services because you're saying, look, that's worth that much gold. So if you take that to any bank, and that's sort of basically how sort of currency started. Um, what was the first paper currency in Europe? Um, well, the first one, the first one that was kind of issued by European governments was actually issued um, by the colonial governments in North America, and it was because shipments between Europe and North America colonies took a long time, and the colonies would often run out of cash waiting for it to get from one place to the other. So instead of going back to like a bartering system, what they did was they issued IOUs, and that traded as currency. Um, I think the first instance of this was Canada, which at the time was a colony of France. Um, and it was in 1685, which sounds a bit more palatable, doesn't it? 1685, although it was so long ago, it's not BCE and all that. So 1685, soldiers were issued playing cards denominated and signed by the governor to use as cash instead of coins from France. 
That's pretty cool that you could be the governor or something and your your signature is that powerful basically that it turns a playing card into money. You know, that'd be pretty sweet. So this shift to paper money in Europe increased the amount of international trade obviously that, that could occur banks and sort of uh, let's call them the, the ruling classes started buying these currencies from other nations and created basically a currency market. The stability of the particular monarchy or government affected basically how much your money's worth, basically similar to nowadays, you know. Like my mum when my mum went to America uh, before she had me with her, um, my, my, my half brothers and half sisters, she was getting $7 to the pound when she went there. Jesus. Wow. Now it's at an all time low. I think it's <clears> like, I think it's one pound 12 to the dollar now or something like that you're getting. So you actually get less dollars and pounds. And she was getting um, seven times. She was getting $7. Yeah. So you need to pay one pound 12 for $1 now. Whereas she was paying a pound for $7 back then. It's, yeah, it's either one pound twelve for a dollar, or a or a or a pound as a dollar twelve. I'm not sure, but it's one of the two which is sold so low. I remember ten years ago we had the house there and stuff, and it was still two to the pound, and that was that's not nowhere near seven, but two to the pound was great. Um, but yeah, it's it's on its arse. It's fucked. It's totally on its arse. This competition led to sort of currency wars. So competing countries would basically try to change the value. How much? Like some other countries' money was worth, but driving up the market and making like their enemies goods far too expensive to buy. Basically, um, that was basically the something paying for war. That was like the only thing that people were thinking about back back then was like how expensive it was to go to war. So they would try to fuck their currency so that they couldn't afford to go to war, so that they could then just fucking rip in and take all their stuff off them. Basically, it's always comes down to war eventually, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Right, we're, we're going to skip like 400 years here, mate, and just jump to mobile payments. Let, fuck it, I can't bother doing that the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, the good stuff. So mobile payments, 21st century, it gave rise to two novel forms of currency, mobile payments and virtual currency. Uh, mobile payments, money rendered for a product or service for a portable electronic device, such as a cell phone, smartphone, tablet or watch. You get things like Apple Pay and Google Pay, um, basically vying for retailers to accept their platforms for point-of-sale payments. Um, I genuinely couldn't tell the last time I did. I used something that wasn't Apple Pay. I use it everywhere I go, everything I do. Um, even most of the pubs and stuff now don't take cash, or they don't have to take cash. I just don't do cash. I hate it. Um, so it's much much better. And then you've also got virtual currency now, which actually released way back in two thousand and nine, which was Bitcoin. Um, it was started by a guy called Satoshi Nakamoto, and that quickly became the kind of gold standard for virtual currencies. If all of the world's Bitcoin, as of June this year, was worth just over $392 billion. Um, obviously, virtual currencies have got no physical coinage, but the appeal of the virtual currency is that it offers the promise of lower transaction fees than traditional online payment mechanisms, and it's operated by decentralised authorities, so the government can't control it. It's controlled by the people. It, it's, it's not mad, but like m- money or currency, or Bitcoin, let's call it, all kind of basically boils down to trust. Like, do you know, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, it's because... you're, you're trusting the, the blockchain, you're trusting the people that are that are running the, that are running the coin, basically, isn't it? And yeah, but that as well, it... but you've got to have the trust that if you've got uh, one, let's say you've got one Bitcoin, right, and however much that's worth, you've got to have the trust that if you, or but. If you're buying something from somebody, 
with a Bitcoin, the person that's selling you the something has got to have the trust that the Bitcoin will, will then be worth if they were to buy something else, you know, if they were to pass it on. So like if I've got one Bitcoin, I go, I want that car. The person that's selling the car has got to trust that they can then take that Bitcoin and buy another car with it or whatever. So yeah. I, I, it kind of blows my mind a bit, like, because you've got a bit of paper, physical bit of paper, because it's just 50 quid on it, you go, that can get me 50 quid worth of fruit pastels. And the fruit pastel seller will give you that. And they hope trusting that they can then take that 50 quid and buy 50 quid of the stuff that they want, like Starburst or whatever, you know? So Yeah. Maybe I was smoked too much when I was younger and watched too many shitty documentaries, but it is all built on that sort of that trust that you can, if you wanted to go to the bank, get that gold or whatever, because I don't know if you still do that if you want. Yeah. I want I want gold for that. Yeah, I don't think you can go to your bank and do it, but you can purchase gold. They, they say that gold's one of the best investments you can make at the moment because it, it does just keep going up in value because it's there's a, a, a finance source of it, and people are actually buying gold bars again and using them and putting them in safes more though more now than they were doing for the last 20, 30 years. Um, because other investments are so kind of volatile just now. But yeah, people are back buying gold again. Right, fair enough. Right, that was just a preamble, really. I'm sorry if it was boring as fuck. Um, I actually found myself getting bored uh, reading it. But uh, I asked people what's the worst thing you spent money on. So I was trying to think of the worst thing that I've spent money on. And I bought, uh, I, like, I like a band called Die Antlord, right? South African band. And I bought tickets for them uh, a couple of years ago. They came in the post and I thought, brilliant, put them down. And um, on the night of the gig uh, at the O2, I opened up the tickets, ready, ready to go, and I'd bought tickets for the Die Antlord in London, the O2 in London, uh, which was the night before, and I was in Glasgow anyway, and it's the only time I think I've ever been in Scotland. So, oh, that mate, that's a shame. <laughs> so it's not the worst thing, it's just it's probably the stupidest thing that I've done um, when it comes to sort of spending money on stuff that was completely a waste waste of money and pop into your head that you've like completely wasted money on um my gels my gels and free champions league tickets for 150 quid yeah that comes to mind at the moment <clears throat> excuse me this is the wrong show for that sort of chat um what have i wasted money on so much mate so so much funko pops that they're just there because they look nice so many pairs of trainers that i don't need um, I bought a MacBook Pro one year after I bought another MacBook Pro just because I wanted the new one. Um, that's probably the biggest waste. Uh, that was just. I mean, you, you wouldn't see that as a waste of money because it's something you want. So that's... yeah, I know, but I didn't need it. It was it was <sighs> frivolous. It was frivolous. Um, I bought a brand I, new car. Well, I bought a brand. I bought a, I bought a new car to me. Um, but I had, I had a nice car that I loved. It was all paid off, didn't have any bills left on it. It was just a free car, basically. And Hello, friends. Colin here. The looks, the charm, and the brains behind Drunk Term Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. 
I've also reduced the price of the two top tiers uh, by a pound on each of them, just because we appreciate life is a little bit shit just now, and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people, then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrong term memory, and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad free, and lots of bonus content. Then it got a, quite a big repair bill that I paid, and I got worried that it was going to start costing me money. So I traded it in and bought a new car, gave myself new payments of £280 a month or whatever it is. And within a, within four weeks of getting it, the world stopped. Everything locked uh-huh. down. And I've been working from home ever since and always will now and don't really need a car other than going to the football. So my old car would probably have been absolutely fine. So in retrospect, as much as I love my car, it's a huge, huge waste of money. Right. Um, I'm going to read a story that I found on Reddit. Um a bit of a heartbreaker, right? Um, we'll read a couple of paragraphs each, okay? So when I was eight, I was in the car with my parents and brother heading back from a holiday in the West Country. I saved up my pocket money, which was about 50 pence a week, and a little bit of money that I got for my birthday, and I had £5 left. Uh, I bought a few ice creams while we were away and a couple of second-hand books, but I saved most of the money hoping to find something good to buy. Uh, on the way back, we stopped uh, in at Burton on the Water, the model village that uh, is famous for where Timothy Dalton gets the point in Hot Fuzz. Film. Um, it's a chocolate box, pretty village with beautiful stone houses, a river, elegant art stone bridges, and a toy shop. So eagerly, I went inside and looked around. Cap guns, tempting, but the decent ones that looked like real guns were far too expensive. Model trains, nah. But then I saw it, Colin. I saw it buzzing around under the ceiling. A model Spitfire with a battery-powered engine and it flew in circles under the ceiling on fishing wire. I had a few Airfix planes already, but none that moved. There was a couple of boxes under the demonstration model on a table and they were four ninety nine each, reduced from £8. A lot of money for an eight-year-old in 1995. But this was quite a detailed model and there and then I made the decision. I grabbed the nearest box and I hurried to the till. The shopkeeper rang it up and I emptied my little wallet of pound coins, 50p pieces, 20p pieces, and other assorted change. The box was so exciting. A picture of the Spitfire zooming into a climb, guns blazing, with a flaming Messerschmitt failing to fall, falling to earth behind. I'll go right. I can still remember how excited. There's a bit of a delay on this recording, by the way, and that's maybe if well, there's a bit of uh, jumpiness about that's um, the, the software's fault, basically. Um, I'm not, like we fucked up last week um, it's not as bad this week but that's what I'm blaming there I can still remember how excited I was uh, hurrying back to the car showing the box to my brother and sitting in glee thinking how much fun it would be to hang up and how exciting it would be to fly around I could put uh, on I could put it on some really long fishing line it would fly all around the room I put off opening the box as I didn't want to lose any small parts on the footwell of the car but then I got on the motorway and I just couldn't bear to wait any longer so I tore off the tape and opened the box it was empty. Um, I grabbed the box of the display model by mistake and my dad didn't turn the car around um, as apparently we had to meet my grandparents back at home saying something, saying to me through my tears um, that we were leaving, basically. So, that was just a wee sad story about... That's a sad story. His poor dad. His dad doesn't turn the car around and says they should check things properly before leaving. What a bastard. Um, Oh, what a dickhead! But like, you've got to give the, the the guy in the toy shop as a bit of a dickhead. Like, either don't seal up the the box if it's 
um, not get anything in it or check. Surely he could feel there was nothing in that. He must have done, yeah. Bastards pocketed the fiver, I bet you. I bet he has. He's pocketed the fiver knowing that they're on their way home or they're tourists. Like, they'll not be back. And if they do come back, it doesn't matter. You just go, oops, it was a mistake. But I bet he knew that. Fly bastard, basically. Right. Um, this is a mix of listeners, worst uh, processes, and a list of things that I've found um, on the internet, basically. So we'll just take one of these each. Um, <laughs> I bought a Cybin. Do you know what a Cybin is? A Cybin? I want to say it's a monkey, but it's not, is it? No, a Cybin's like... A- it's like it's like a massive vibrator. Oh fuck it's off! Like a side Google it now. Google what a side is, right? Because it's like a right, like okay. a massive vibrator that you sit on top of, and the whole thing shakes. Oh, I have seen videos of them before. Yeah, exactly right. Right. So I okay. Got, yeah. I bought, I bought the a first Cybin. one that Google's brought up is the first one that Google's brought up is called the Tremor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what a side is, right? Um, if you've never heard of it. God bless your innocence. Go and Google it. Don't Google it and work. Uh, I bought a sideband for a person I was dating once uh, that wanted it for Christmas. She took one look at it and decided it was far too frightening. Uh, so it sat in the closet for years until I posted it on Craigslist and some creepy bastard took it off my hands for $200. Oh dear, madness. Um, a Windows phone. It would crash when it received a call, rendering me unable to actually take any calls. Yeah, they were fucking terrible, those Windows phones. Like, worse than Android, that's how bad they were. I don't know. I never, never had one, never known a person to have had one. Um, the corn dog, so this is from an American, that exploded in my mouth with some sort of green liquid that caused me to throw up. I shat myself about an hour later, too. God. Um, a Brazzers account. <laughs> I, f- I thought I was billed for a year by the month, but I wasn't. I was just charged for the full year there and then. Imagine paying for porn, you maniac. I know. Uh, this is from a listener called Kieran. Uh, when, I was a, when I was younger in Bush Gardens, I bought a magic set because I had uh, saw a magician doing a spinning card trick. Get back to the villa, opened up and flung the cards straight under the fridge. My uncle mentions it nearly every time I see him. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. His uncle fucking slags him. Um, I spent $1,000 on a digital pet for World of Warcraft. The biggest what-the-fuck-am-I-doing adult moment of my life, and it became a wake-up call for me. And so it fucking should. That's mad. Like, I knew a boy that played World of Warcraft, and like you would, you would like phone him. Where are you coming out? I'll be, I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there. And you just knew if he was playing World of Warcraft, you wouldn't see him at night, you just wouldn't turn up things. And that was when we were like 18, 19, 20. So you, you really wanted to get, like, fair enough, nowadays you go, I'm playing World of Warcraft, fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah. but I'm playing Horizon. Get away you go, I don't want to come out. But uh, back then, um, it took over people's life. This one, this guy bought a business um, that ended up uh, going under and he had to file for bankruptcy. Was a bit of a oh, that's a shame, man. Um, our friends at the Gallant Few podcast um, he spent about 20 or 30 pounds to enter the Great Scottish Run about 10 years ago he paid it early as an incentive to get fit um, by the time the race came around he'd put on a stone and didn't bother um, all that while um, a 15 pound donation to the Pure Gym came out every month as well what a laugh a <laughs> uh, guy bought night vision binoculars off of Amazon uh, they were pish like the equivalent of X-ray glasses from a mad magazine ad. <laughs> uh, 
Um, oh, this one's that's a sore one. A ring for my cheating ex girlfriend. I've never seen either of them since I found out. I guess I dodged a bullet there. Yeah, spent eight pounds to go ice skating. Ended up breaking my leg in three places. Not able to walk for six months. This one's an old one. This guy's been in contact with us before. <laughs> he has um, a Versace suit, circa nineteen ninety nine. Had a dragon embroidered onto the left leg and a dragon embroidered onto the right panel of the jacket, and one on the waistcoat. It was eighteen hundred pounds. Eighteen <laughs> fucking hundred to look like. Feel like I'd be pointed at like a total wank. I wore it once. <laughs> oh, uh, back in the day, we couldn't even stick it on Vinted. Um, my missus is obsessed with that thing now, man. She's just putting stuff on and then buying stuff. So it's like a, a cycle <laughs> of just stuff coming. Like, I need to go there, yeah, I need to go around to the post office and post that stuff. So she goes, and then a package comes when she's out, and she's like, I got new shoes. You just sold shoes, but she loves it, man. So it keeps it keeps her busy. It's supposed to be good. Yeah, like I put a I put a couple of PlayStation. I gave her a couple of PS4 games to put on it. I was like, just I'm never going to use them again. Um, like she sold like that ghost game. I got like fifteen quid for that just to get rid of it. Sorry, yeah. You stick it in the post and you get fifteen quid now. Um, Callum, another listener. Um. Cafe Andalus for a quick scan in Edinburgh for, before a gig with the missus. Paid £114 for four slivers of meat, steamed broccoli and a pint. Uh, we didn't know it's a set price for 14 tastes of meat. Uh, we only stayed for four before we had to go. <laughs> oh, That's kind of your fault. Um, you should have read it. <laughs> um, this guy, I bought a $20 pocket pussy that I shortly threw out in shame after I'd finished. I did not even know what a pocket pussy was, I can imagine, but madness. Read the reply to it, because there's a reply to it underneath it. Because this guy's replied, I, f- I feel you. Um, I got heated in the moment and somehow convinced my girlfriend to put her thumb in my butt. It was great until it was over, and now I have to live with the shame. Honestly, I think she's forgotten about it by now, but I visibly cringe every time she gives me the thumbs up sign. I can only <laughs> wonder if she ever told her friends. £10,000 on a halflinger mare after riding her once. Turns out they are horrible bastard horses. Some horse, obviously. A lot of money for a fucking horse. Um, When I was younger, I was devoted to this one brand of all-natural bar soap. The soap company was going to discontinue a few of their scents, and so it happened that their scents were all amongst my favourites. The company put out the discontinued scents on sale, I decided I was going to stock up. Five years later, I still smell like green tea. <laughs> I can, I get that one because every Christmas, Lush bring out this thing called Snow Fairy Jack, right? And it's like a cotton candy type um, shower gel, shampoo, everything, loads of stuff basically called Snow Fairy. But it only comes out at Christmas and then you can't get it to the next year. So I buy loads of it every December and then use it till about June. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, right, these are quite these are short and sweet. These ones, um, for our listener, uh, I think it's called Ian. Um, but seven tickets, eight nine Premier Sports, short and sweet. Um, conjoined at the face troll doll. Do you remember the fucking trolls with the hair? Yeah, that's a conjoined at the face one. Um, somebody doesn't like KFC, a boneless banquet box from KFC. Don't mind them. Don't get, don't get an awful lot of KFCs, but I don't mind a boneless pie crap. No, I don't mind that. Um, Marilyn Manson contact lenses. <laughs> uh, 
custom fitted toe rings. <laughs> a Santa head maracas. A neon hot dog dog sign. Just a picture of this. It's like <laughs> a dog that looks like a hot, not a hot dog. But it's a, a dog in a bun, basically. Aye, it's something like that, mate. It was fucking, yeah, a waste of money, basically. Um, MC Hammer tickets. Yeah. yeah, a £40 bag of marshmallows that went stale after one day. <laughs> a, fr- a frisbee that played music. <laughs> oh, and this is my favourite one. This person just, um, I called a horse psychic. <laughs> Fucking hell. Right, um, Grunt Logic. So this, again, we'll read, read a couple of paragraphs of this. This was sent in. Uh, we just got this in about an hour ago in the DMs on, on Twitter, at Wrong Term Memory. So um, I was in my early 20s. Working in retail at the time, which meant a lot of weekend work. But being in my early 20s, I uh, also went doing a lot of going out of the weekend. Uh, one weekend in particular got pretty heavy and I realised too late that I would be in no fit state to start work in the morning as it was already getting light outside again. Um, I'd already been warned right, um, about pulling a sickie for being hungover so my drunk self knew I had to think outside of the box for this one. If I had an unfortunate accident, that meant I couldn't come to work, then they couldn't really get mad, could they? So, drunk me um, could say, you could say you've broken your ankle. That could happen to anybody. So, without much deliberation, I text my supervisor to let them know that I've broken my ankle, completely sober, at 4.30am. I didn't give it much thought after that. I presumably passed out at some point in the next few hours. I was woken up by my supervisor phoning me, probably around 9 to 10am, following up on my message to see if I was either coming in, drunk, are genuinely injured. This would be a perfect opportunity to come clean, but I was still half scooped and I shat it, so I doubled down. I said, yeah, I've been out, but I slipped and sprained my ankle and I'd be off my feet for a while. So this is where the purchases come in, uh, sort of come into play. The purchase slash purchases. Still drunk, I went on to Amazon, other retailers are available, and ordered <laughs> purchases and a moon boot stookie sort of thing and thought, fuck it. That should do me back to sleep, to sleep it off, um, as after that day I wasn't due back in work for three days. The next day, the fear hit me with a literal bang at the door, um, went with a large parcel delivered for me. Then the stark realisation hits me that I've told my work I've got a broken ankle. Things only get worse from here. As when I opened, um, I realised it was only one crutch, uh, one crutch that only came three quarters of the way up my leg, uh, meaning I had to noticeably lean over to support myself. Clearly, a red flag that was likely um, not supplied by a, a medical professional. <laughs> Panicked, I logged back into Amazon, hoping to find out there'd been some sort of mistake or that I'd received shipment one of two. Nope. In fact, I had ordered a singular crutch. <laughs> What I also noticed was an unfilled order due to failed payment method for a wheelchair. <laughs> I have no recollection of trying to make this order, so I can only assume that at peak intoxication, I had thought of something more extravagant than a broken ankle. So there I was, followed some crutch, a hangover from hell, and a paper-thin excuse for not being at work that weekend. If you're wondering, yes, I stuck to the lie. I hobbled into work with a homebrew ankle strapping and a crutch that was a yard too short for me, walking like Yoda with a hernia. I won't tell you where I worked, but I will say that I went on to run that shop. So it shows if you really commit to something, then anything is possible. 
Oh, that's magic, mate. I, I enjoyed that. Like the fact he tried to buy a wheelchair and <laughs> luckily got his payment declined. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh. class, absolute class. Uh, it's just drunk um. logic through and through, man. I think that'll do it for today. Um, a lot of people spending a lot of money and a lot of shit, but yeah, quite enjoyed that, mate. Yeah, it was good fun, man. I enjoyed that too. Um, we'll hopefully be back next week, Jack. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I'm busy now, so m- maybe not, but I'll, I'll try and squeeze in a wee half hour for you guys anyway. So um, if not, we'll maybe stick something out for the archives. Um, patrons, there's still bonus content coming out over the next month anyway, so um, you've still got that. So we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye.